Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's Word, fellowship, and prayer. Hey, everybody. Hey, Brashear's family. Good to see you. Man, it's so good to celebrate the Lord, isn't it? Man, with worship like that, we could just go all day long. So thank you guys for leading us that way. Uh, One of the things, you know, there's a lot of people here that some of you have been around for a while. Others of you are fairly new in your attendance to Kaya. Um, And uh, one of the things you're going to realize really quick is that we are a ministry that gives away ministry. Right? That's one of the most exciting things about what we do at Midtown Baptist Temple is that we're developing leaders with the intention of handing over ministry and giving people opportunities that they need to have in, in order for us to reach the world. And so, um, man, it's a privilege for me as the pastor of this ministry uh, to find young men and cultivate them uh, in them a desire to study God's word and then to preach it and teach it. It's, it's, in fact, it's the most ex- one of the most exciting things I do uh, as a pastor. Now, this guy right here, uh, he and I go way back, okay? So I was Harrison's art teacher at Lee Summit West, and that was actually a wonderful privilege as well. He was a hard worker, and a, he's a wonderful artist, and as many of you know, he's at the Art Institute right now. But when I met Harrison, he had a, a great zeal to follow the Lord. But there was this kind of continual question on how. Like, what did that actually look like, right? He was a part of church, and he was doing church. Uh, But as many of us know, that doing church and being a follower of Jesus Christ are often two different things. And so he had this burning desire, and God kind of dumped him on my doorstep, right? And uh, I, 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 like I, didn't, I didn't know you, and, and, and uh, Mr. Her- uh, Mr. Parrish, another teacher at the school, is like, you got to meet this quirky guy that dresses like you do. <laughs> and so he introduced us to each other, and, and Harrison started taking art classes, and, and the rest is history. But I'm so proud of what God is doing in him, and I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity to give him the pulpit today um, and, and give him an opportunity to share what God's teaching him. And so we're going to pray and we're going to listen, and everybody's going to take notes, right? That's what we do in here. We're going to take notes, we're going to listen, uh, because I'm really excited. He shared a little bit of what God's shown him. I'm excited for us to hear about that uh, today. So, ready? Ready? ready. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, um, we love you, and we thank you. We thank you for your word. The beautiful thing about your word is that we don't have to uh, conjure up eloquence, and we don't have to put on airs. We don't have to perform it. Uh, we don't have to be perfect. Uh, We just have to love it, and we have to hide behind it, and we have to let it do all the work. And so, Lord, uh, I I pray that you would give give my friend Harrison beautiful feet today, and that you would um, bless him with strength and courage enough to just simply speak the truth of your word. And Lord, give us uh, each the provocation of your Holy Spirit, that we might be able to follow right behind him and, and say, yes, Lord, your way is narrow, it is hard. Uh, but it is good, and, uh, and we see it, and we want to obey. We, we desire to obey uh, the simplicity of your truth. And so speak through him today, and Lord, allow him to have fun and just enjoy this time with us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. 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 All right. Can you guys hear me? All right. It's kind of weird to have this microphone on, because from here, it just kind of feels like I'm talking, and I hear this little echo of myself. Uh, but apparently, it's loud enough. That's cool. 
Um, I'm so excited to be here preaching to all of you. Um, it's really cool to have my family here. It's really cool to have my girlfriend, Jaden, here, to have the guys from my Bible study here. Um, I lead a Bible study uh, in Kaya that ministers mostly to young men who are attending the Art Institute, which is uh, the local art and design school. It's literally two or three blocks in that direction. Um, yeah, so uh, if anybody is uh, an artist or uh, a hipster or listens to, to dream pop music or whatever, uh, you'll really enjoy coming to my Bible study if, if you're not in, in a Bible study yet. Um, but man, yeah, I'm just so thankful for the opportunity. Um, and I'm also just thankful for uh, what Sam preached this morning and, and even the songs that Seth and the worship team did uh, and praised this morning that just, just feels like God is sort of uh, weaving this uh, scripture um, conviction narrative uh, throughout the morning. And, and, uh, and I'm trusting the Lord that um, what I brought uh, to study today is going to be in addition to that and, and something that's going to hammer home some of the things that Sam was talking about this morning. So, um, yeah, I'm going to take a drink. <laughs> I can already feel my mouth getting dry. So, who here has heard the concept that the Bible is a picture book? Yeah? A lot of people have heard that the Bible is a picture book. Um, if you've spent any amount of time in Scripture it's pretty easy to tell that it's a book full of pictures and illustrations. The Bible even illustrates this in Romans uh, chapter 1, verse 20. It says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And to just break down this verse... To break down how amazing God's word is. And God is saying that the invisible things of him, the spiritual things that we can't actually see with our eyes, that are, in a sense, the most important things in our life, right, through the creation of the world, we can see those things. We can see those things. We can know how those things work, right? So God uses these physical objects and concepts to illustrate spiritual objects and concepts. And it's critical for us to understand these things because they show us how we practically and tactically live our lives in Christ. Some of the most provocative illustrations in God's word include precious metals, precious stones, precious minerals, such as gold, silver, and precious stones. <laughs> Why do I bother putting jokes in these messages when you guys just laugh at... <laughs> The things that I don't even mean to say. It's crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. So that's going to be the title of our message today. I already went past. Oh, you guys laughed at the Minecraft stuff. Oh. <laughs> I was totally serious about that. Come on. Uh, another thing to note is if, if you've played Minecraft before, which most Gen Zers have, this is iron. But for all intents and purposes, can we just all pretend that it's silver? <laughs> uh, it, it works, right? So each of these things, they have a special significance in our life in Christ. Right? And if we are wise to seek uh, spiritual gold, silver, and precious stones, 
Um, we could come to the judgment seat of Christ at the end of our life as believers, uh, embarrassed and naked and full of regret. And I don't think that's anything that anybody wants to be before the Lord, right? Just like Seth was talking about, he's a consuming fire, right? We want to be ready um, when we meet him face to face. So um, I made that allusion to the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, I wanted to go to this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 15, to um, kind of deeper illustrate and talk about what that means. And there are a lot of different verses that talk about the judgment seat, but this is going to be the one that we sort of focus on today. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. And so the day we're talking about, we're mentioning in this passage, is the judgment seat of Christ. Right? Anybody heard of that? Believers? Disciples? Um, This is a judgment of works done in devotion to Christ. Right? It's not a judgment of our sin. Right? God judged our sin on the cross of Calvary when he shed his blood for us, was buried and rose again three days later, like all of these songs that Seth was leading us in. And that's, that's what we're thankful for. That's the thing that keeps us going. But God says, okay, you've got that. And as a believer, man, you have the opportunity to receive rewards for the, the works you did in devotion to God. Isn't that awesome that, that God, he, uh, he, he made us incentive-oriented creatures. That when, when we're given incentive, we see that thing, we're like, all right, I want to work harder for that. Unless you're a Gen Zer and someone gives you a lot of incentive and then you get really insecure and, and uh, <laughs> self-fulfilling prophecies happen. Right? That's not what this is meant to, uh, to be. This is, this is supposed to be an exciting prospect that we get rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. Right? And in this passage, it basically shows us this illustration of the believer being tried by the fire of God. And to illustrate the, the, the idea of quality of our works, God introduces these precious metals in this passage. So to spiritually withstand uh, that trying fire, a believer has to be pure. He has to be of, of a high quality devotion to the Lord if he doesn't want to come out naked on the other side. The flimsiness of wood, hay, and stubble, they're going to be burned up in the fire. But the unbreakable quality of gold, silver, and precious stones, those are the things that are going to make it through um, and, and render us victorious. Right? So to get to our first key question here, if I'm a believer, what's the quality of my devotion to the Lord? Because that's the basic principle level question that you've got to ask yourself if you just want to have a healthy life in Christ as it is. So something that we discuss in discipleship here at MBT is this idea of quality over quantity. And sometimes a believer, and just in our flesh, 
we're really, really focused about doing the right thing, doing the right thing over and over and over again, and then we fail, and um, we get condemned, and we get, we get depressed, and we despair. Um, but God's not really about that. God is a, a God of grace. He's a God of patience. He's a God of, of things taking time to grow, like plants and trees, you know? Um, and so you have to have a quality of, uh, of devotion rather than a quantity of devotion. Right, God looks on the hearts of men and women, not on our outward works and our, our outward perceived, sometimes feigned attitudes. First uh, Samuel 16, verse 7 um, says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, his face, or on the height of his stature, his, his physical appearance, because I refused him. Here's the key. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. So the quality of our devotion to the Lord is not going to be judged by the works that we did trying really hard to please God. Our works can be judged by our heart of knowing that God's already pleased with us because he sees his son in us. And us in, in excitement and gratitude for that, serving him over the course of our life. So some sub-questions for the key question that I asked um, and, and some things that maybe will guide us through uh, the coming principles that I'm going to talk about in the message are, am I putting off repentance? Is there a pet sin in my life that I'm just trying to ignore because I think it's going to go away automatically? Have I become comfortable where I'm at in life and ministry? Have I figured out how to do the right thing or at least look like I'm doing the right thing so I don't actually have to be vulnerable with God anymore? Am I frequently confronted and affected by God's grace for me, a sinner? Because everybody in here knows that even on our best day, man, we are just prone to failure. We're prone to, um, man, turning on God because we have a flesh. We have an old man. uh, We have a body that's not completely glorified yet. And we need to be constantly reminding ourselves of the light um, and, and, and the, the peace of his grace for us because that's ultimately what, um, what pushes us towards ministering that grace to others in our life. So yeah, these are going to be our guiding questions as we go on the way. Keep those in mind. Um, the first material that we're going to talk about is gold. And just as a disclaimer, I'm going to be recapping a lot of what Pastor Jeff Bartell preached in main service about a month ago. Some of you guys were most likely here uh, to, to hear that and, and be privy to that. And uh, man, that was a really um, ministering message to, to my heart, so much so that I wanted to continue it on, but I wanted to give context to the, the, the other elements. And so the study that, that Pastor Bartell gave us started with the book of Exodus and the tabernacle and the amount of times that material of gold is mentioned in those little ringlets and little pieces of things in the tabernacle, really specific detail-oriented items, but also the important items uh, as well, use the material of gold. And he associated that, 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 um, that element of gold and the amount of times it was used in that passage, he associated that to worship and our 
our intimacy and communion with the Lord because that's what the tabernacle uh, was about, right? Ultimately, the tabernacle was a place for the people of God to commune with him. Um, And doctrinally, that, of course, breaks down after a while. It's like we are not a tabernacle, but the idea of communing with God, man, that's what gold was all about. Um, And when Pastor Jeff alluded to this concept of worship, he didn't stop at just saying, oh, gold means worship. He defined for us what worship even means. Because I don't know about y'all, but it feels like weekly I need a new definition of worship. Because, man, in my flesh, I veer off the path. I forget what this thing's all about, and I have to go back to grace. I have to go back to, man, Lord, how do I, how do I worship you? And uh, he took us to the first mention of worship, which is in Genesis 22, uh, verse 5. And man, it's really cool that Sam preached about Abraham uh, because we already have that story and this man on, on our minds. And, and, and he's such a great picture of obedience, like Sam was talking about this morning, but also faith uh, and worship. So Genesis 22, verse 5, just one verse in, a, in kind of a larger story that we'll get into here in a minute says, And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. So that's the first mention of worship. Um, and this passage that I won't read the whole, the whole thing of is, we remember that promise that God gave Abraham that Sam was talking about, that man, Abraham, in you, in your seed, in your offspring, Man, there's going to be a holy nation that's a blessing to the world. And Sam also touched on the fact that his wife was barren. So there's a miracle involved in bringing that son, Isaac, into the world and and, and into life. And when you fast forward to Genesis chapter 22, God is commanding Abraham to sacrifice his son. Sacrifice his only son. Um... And so on the surface, this is sort of a controversial story. Um, I do do just want to take a little detour and and direct uh, our attention to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 through 19. Um, It gives more insight into Abraham's faith in this situation. That by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, for whence he also received him in a figure. So knowing the whole truth that God had given him, not forgetting God's word, not taking it out of context, Abraham was like, all right, God, you haven't failed me yet. You haven't led me astray yet. I've failed you a ton of times, but you haven't failed me. So the track record, the, the uh, what's that called in sports, like the ratio, like the... Yeah, yeah, sure. Whatever that is. <laughs> that wasn't looking good for Abraham, so he was like, all right, cool, I guess we're going to go do this. I'm, I'm sure it broke his heart. Um, but the moral of the story, man, like when Abraham was ready to sacrifice his son, God provided himself a lamb caught in the thicket to take the place of Isaac as the sacrifice because Abraham had obeyed God. That was a huge deal to Abraham, sacrificing his only son, that he'd come so far to get. That was a huge deal. And, and the key point that Pastor Jeff gave us through that is that 
Worship is anything you do to obey God that requires personal sacrifice. If you want to worship the Lord, if you want to draw near to him, it's going to cost you. And so if you want to obtain gold at the judgment seat of Christ, rather than wood, hay, or stubble, man, we have to have a lifestyle, a consistent lifestyle, a quality lifestyle over time of worship to the one who ultimately gave everything for us, right? He's not asking us to do anything that he wasn't already willing to do, which is nuts in and of itself. Um, Yeah. This wasn't the only time Abraham worshipped. You saw this morning that Abraham, though he be imperfect, though he literally fails over and over again, he chose to worship and obey God throughout his life. And that makes him such a great picture of gold at the judgment seat because it's not about you being perfect. It's not about you doing everything right. It's not even about you being the, um, the Instagram Christian or whatever. It's about you having an actual relationship with the Lord and having a perfect heart towards him and desiring to serve him, knowing that only his grace is going to be sufficient for that. So God commanded Abraham to do one thing after another. right? That pertained to Abraham, pertained to the world at the time. What is God calling us to do? How do we obey the Lord? How do we worship him? Right, so... Next slide. Preach the gospel. So that's pretty simple, right? Um, Maybe it's not very simple. Maybe it's uh, deeper than you think it is. Man, it's more than about just walking up to somebody and asking them if they know the gospel and them getting freaked out and... Or even... Bringing, up, bringing it up in conversation really awkwardly with your coworker. That stuff's not bad. That's awesome. And praise God for that. But, man, what if you trusted God to be part of someone's life? If you trusted God to pray for someone each day or even pray for someone once a week and commit to knowing what's going on in their life, knowing what they're struggling with, being a true friend to them, sacrificing your time, your headspace for them. Man, when you get to that place... And be bold about their need for Christ. Right? We know this book is true. Address them as if this book was true in their life as well, right? Don't be afraid to ask pointed questions to people. Don't be afraid um, to challenge their worldview. Right? Everybody's insecure about their worldview. After being at the Art Institute for only three years, nobody, nobody knows what they believe. So... All it takes is someone who loves them and buys them a sandwich or buys them coffee and talks to them about this controversial worldview that's actually been around for 2,000 years or more. Right? People are bound by God's grace and by his spirit to respond. Um, the other thing God's calling us to do is make disciples. Right? We talk about these things all the time. But man, is that not just an extension of evangelism and investing in people? And when you're dis- discipling someone, man, it doesn't necessarily have to be a formal discipleship pairing. And I'm not discouraging formal discipleship pairings at all. But, man, if you know that, that you've been around uh, and you've been walking with the Lord longer than your buddy that you've been ministering to and he gets paired with somebody else for discipleship, 
man, keep spending time with him or her. Keep investing in them. Share God's word. Be aware of what they're struggling with and how you can hold them accountable. It, it definitely does take a village uh, in discipleship, right? So and don't be afraid to invest uh, wherever you're at and wherever they're at. It's like really quiet when I'm flipping these pages. So that's kind of our quick overview of gold. Uh, praise God for Pastor Jeff uh, and that message. Just so thankful for that. Um, still uh, convicting me at this point right now. Now we're going to move on to silver. So before we start this, how are you guys doing? Good? Good? No, uh, no heresy or anything yet? Cool. All right. <laughs> what? So we're going to talk about silver. Essentially, before you get into it, silver equals purity equals God's word. So keep that in mind as we go through this study. Silver's mentioned along with gold in Exodus uh, a myriad of times. It also has a lot to do with communion with God, with worship of God. I think it's important that gold and silver get put together because you can't separate God's word from worship, right? Um, the difference is in the tabernacle, in those days you had to go into the tabernacle and do all these rites and rituals and eventually, whoa, eventually you got to commune with God, I guess. Um, that's, that's what God's word uh, says uh, for, for, for men and women in those days. Um, now, man, we have Christ. And Christ, his spirit lives in us. Right? We have the Holy Spirit of God. We can pray to him. We have his presence everywhere we go, and it's activated by our relationship with him and his word. Um, and so Ephesians 2, verse 13 and 14, I think it's already up on the screen. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Praise God. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. And I put a little illustration up here in the next slide, I believe. Yeah, right? So this thing up here, that's uh, some sort of recreation of the tabernacle of the Old Testament of Exodus, wandering in the wilderness. And here, you've got this fun indie visco girl in a coffee shop <laughs> with her Bible. And you know some of y'all, men and women, have photographs like this on your feed, right? Like, no one can get away from that. Um, but man, I praise the Lord for that because that's, that's our intimacy. That's our communion with the Lord. That's our relationship with the Holy Spirit in our heart being activated. So I'm really thankful that, that we all have pictures on our feeds of us uh, drinking a latte and, and reading God's word. And um, I can just, I can only trust uh, that y'all aren't just posting that stuff, that, that, that communion with God's actually happening during those times. I hope. <laughs> so another place that silver shows up in the word is the wisdom books, specifically those 
of Psalms and Proverbs. And just to give a few references and and kind of expound on them, uh, Psalm 12, verse 6 says, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. So, remember when we talked about purity, equality, consistency? Remember when we were talking about that in, in terms of our walk with the Lord? Our, our judgment seat of Christ. All right, well, here we are back again. There are two key attributes of silver. One of those attributes is purity. Right? When something is pure, and there's all kinds of definitions for it, unmixed, unalloyed, unalloyed, unadulterated with outside materials, detritus, dust, rocks, random items, For the believer, that's single-mindedness. That's prioritizing God's word. That's having a heart uh, that is set on knowing it and living it and knowing him and living him. Another thing to note is that, man, though God's word, uh, when the pen hit the paper, it was fleshly man, it was earthly man, and God gives an antidote to that in this verse, man. His word is as silver tried in that furnace of earth. Man, it comes out the true inspired word of God. Um, man, that's just really cool. It's cool that he puts those little nuggets in there for us. Little truth nuggets. Another key attribute of silver is longevity. Um, when something is pure, it tends to last a really, really long time. And it's no exception with God's word, right? The first five books of the Bible, the the Torah, and they have been passed around, rehearsed, recited, written down, translated into new languages for thousands of years. And that way of life, it it has uh, continued to be pervasive throughout history. Where did I go? Ah, here we go. Man, and then even just the concept of worshiping God, faith in Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. The idea of grace. And that stuff has endured for the past 2,000 years, over 2,000 years now, uh, through the hearts and lives of men and women who have died to protect the belief, who have died believing uh, in the truth of God's word. Um, and many of us have, have seen Doug Pearson uh, come up here and, and do his book talks uh, and talk about Acts 29, which is that proverbial final chapter of Acts that actually doesn't exist, but it references the last 2,000 years of people like the Morovians and the Lollards and the Anabaptists and what have you, people who are martyrs of the faith, who have championed the faith. And it's a long-lasting thing. It's not just for one person, for a fling, for, for, for a lifetime. It's not like philosophy that has evolved um, from modernism to postmodernism, now to post, postmodernism, nihilism, you know, all those things that we talk about at, at KCAI that people genuinely think uh, make sense. Um, <laughs> who, would, who knows? Who, who knew, right? Riddle me that. Psalm 119, verse 140, says, Thy word 
is very pure. Therefore, thy servant loveth it. So, key question. Believer, if you're convinced the Bible is supernaturally pure in the way that I just described it, in the way that it describes itself, even, do you love it? Because even though Pastor Sam kind of alluded to the Bible as making his joke where it's like some sort of sci-fi object like the dark hold or something like that where it's just this supernatural thing and it gets into your brain and whatever. Like in a sense, like there's no book on this planet that's like the Bible. It's, it's perfect to a mathematical degree. In its precision, it, it, it references itself. It proclaims things about itself that are true, both in the lives of people and when you search it, its context in the scripture. And this book written by disparate authors over several periods of history in different language, it crafts one single grace-oriented, Christ-oriented, God-kingdom-oriented narrative. So if, if you believe this book is supernaturally pure, man, do you prioritize it in your life? Do you defer to it when you find yourself in situations of confusion, fear, misunderstanding, regret? Do you find answers for those things in the Word of God? And when you find those answers, do you trust God to, to believe on them and trust them and move forward in life not doing the thing you were doing before and actually trusting in his word? That's, that's like top-tier, high-level stuff and spiritual maturity stuff, I think. Uh, and do you wake up needing the wisdom of God's word before you go out and, and, and they take too long on your coffee or, or somebody cuts you off in traffic? And you go to bed pondering on what God showed you, the things God did throughout that day because you were trusting him to do it. And are you going to bed thanking him? Man, and and here's one that convicted me as I was studying is, do you look forward to hearing the word preached every Sunday? Who here has been in D2 with Pastor Kenny Morgan? Show of hands. So... I think it's like safe to say, like, most Saturday mornings in D2 with Pastor Kenny, after everything's said and done, Kenny's like, guys, <laughs> tomorrow, man, it's going down. <laughs> because he knows God's word is being preached, man. And I'm, I'm like that Tuesday nights before Book of Boba drops, you know? Like... <laughs> I don't, that's not, I want to flip those. I'm trusting the Lord to flip those. Because, man, what, what, what God has to say, man, that should be the apex, the pinnacle of our week. And so, key point, 
If you want purity in your own life, the purity of silver at the judgment seat of Christ and, and in your life today, you will put your trust in God through his words. And the more you seek God each day, the more that you do trust him for your issues in life, for the people you're burdened for, and you'll find yourself focusing less and less on yourself, you will decrease and he will increase in a way that passes understanding. And to your surprise, man, just like this verse says, that's in the next slide, I believe, and every, every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Is he your shield? And does him being your shield, does that manifest through you trusting in his word? When you're going through difficult times and, man, all you're trying to do is, is be a friend um, and, and, um, and a blessing to your family and they still don't seem to understand you. Uh, they want no part of your faith. Right, when you feel like you're trying to minister to that person and uh, they just like seem to be so obstinate, they tell you one thing and they do another thing. And even you know, just when you're just swamped with work and stuff and then your car breaks down, you get a flat tire. Man, do you run to the Lord? Is he your shield during times like that? So um, that's kind of where we need to be at when we're studying silver, when we're pursuing uh, a life that reflects uh, the silver of God's word and, and, and laying on the foundation of Christ silver at the judgment seat. Uh, we're going to move on from that. And uh, we're going to talk about precious stones. Is, is it a, uh, I don't know if we talked about this, is it a faux pas to use Bookman? No, it's got kind of a hobbit feel. <laughs> that might come in handy. A hobbit feel? Yeah, it's got, it's got a Lord of the Rings thing on it. Okay, all right. <laughs> Jaden says it looks like the cover of Rolling Stone magazine. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what I think it looks like. I, I guess I just like it. I like all the, the swashes and stuff. So the final object we're going to be studying together is precious stones. Um, and before we get into our study of precious stones, I'm really thankful that you guys haven't advanced the slide yet because that would be really distracting. Um, but... Man, I want you guys to think of every movie you've watched, every book you've read, every video game you've played, um, and think about the amount of, of people in these stories that we identify with in life, people that are obsessed and desperate, searching for stones, precious stones, gems, diamonds, crystals, right? Dr. Cortex is obsessed with crystals. 
in, in uh, Crash Bandicoot, right? Uh, who else? Who else do I have on here? Man, Lord Voldemort, he got into the place that was the safest in the wizarding world by hijacking the back of someone's head to get his hands on the Sorcerer's Stone. It was crazy. They had to hide it in a magic mirror to actually, uh, to actually keep it safe from him. Right? Thanos organized a world universe-spanning conspiracy that was all surrounding these stones that he wanted to get. Right? And, and like all of us, when we were in middle school, we literally stayed up all night trying to get diamonds in Minecraft, right? Um, and then there's also stones in Sonic, but I've never played Sonic, so I don't really know. I don't know how that, that works, but there's, there's uh, chaos emeralds, I think is what, what they're called. Um, but essentially, right, rare, precious, valuable stones, they've been the object of affection, desperation throughout human history. However, physical stones like these, they are of little importance to the Lord other than to show us his desire for spiritual stones, which we'll see are the souls of men, the souls of men and women uh, who have yet to know Christ and, and, and those who, who know him and, and uh, are growing up in him. We also see souls in... Uh, or stones in relation to, to crowns. Uh, they're often put next to them. We can advance the slide now. Um, in 2 Samuel 12, verse 30, um, it says, And he took their king's crown from off his head. The weight thereof was a talon of gold with the precious stones, and it was set on David's head. And he brought forth the spoil of the city in great abundance. So in this verse, you see a crown. You see precious stones. You see victory. Right, and now, when you see a crown in the Bible, man, there are a lot of different meanings. Um, but as I studied this verse, it took me to 1 Thessalonians verse 2, 19 through 20. And this is, uh, this is Paul speaking. He says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye... In the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. For ye are our glory and joy. He's talking about the souls of men who have come to know Christ. Babes in Christ growing up in him, learning his word. Learning how to follow him. Drawing near to him. Right? And, and if you've been at Midtown for any amount of time and you hear Sam talk about this, right? Like he's like... At the judgment seat, when you have all these souls that you led to Christ, it's like, you're my crown of rejoicing, you know? You're my crown of rejoicing. <laughs> like, is that not what it's like? Is that not the greatest joy? Who here has, has had a hand in discipling someone or, or leading somebody to Christ? Man, is it not the greatest joy to see them grow and, and be with them through their struggles and remind them of truth and... and and learn how to be their friend? Amen. Is that not also very humbling at the same time? It's extremely humbling. Um, yeah, man. But those eternal souls, those precious stones, they're our reward in our heavenly crown. They line the openings 
and our heavenly crown. So key question. Believer, are you desperately pursuing the souls of others with the desperation that some of these guys pursued their stones? Because we all know it. These villains will stop at nothing to get their hands on these things, man. And if they can do it, man, where's our heart at to pursue after the precious stones of the souls of men? Are you willing to give up what's important to you and make the investment in terms of praying for them, discipling them, and giving up those personal things, making those personal sacrifices to worship the Lord and pursue them? Because that's what God's word demands of us if we're going to collect precious stones, if we are going to share the peace and grace of Christ with the lost souls of this world. And... You know, it takes, it takes a concentrated investment from us. Right? We have to dig. Right? It takes work to win a soul. It takes work to mine diamond, right? You, you sometimes gotta, you have to strip mine. You have to go to the right level. You have, to, you have to find these literally like diamonds in the rough, you know? Yes. It takes work. Yes. It takes investment. <laughs> you have to investigate. Right? Just because this person made a profession of faith, right? we want to trust that people are saved, but we also want to prove them out. We want to watch their lifestyle as they continue on. And that requires that we cherish them. Right? There's a reason why we call new believers babes in Christ. Because that's what they are. And when, when you have a baby, I, I don't know what that's like. Um, <laughs> but when you have a baby, like... You love it, and you're patient with it, and you feed it, and you make sure it has everything that it needs, and you're even more patient with it. Uh, and sometimes it cries, and, and it has issues that sometimes you don't exactly know how to deal with. That's where God's grace comes in. Man, you have to cherish that soul just like you would cherish you know, that, 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 that precious stone. Right? Souls are so costly. So valuable. All right, so key point. If you want to see souls saved and you want to watch them grow in Christ and you want to grow in Christ alongside them, you have to be willing to commit your life. It literally just comes back down to worship. You're going to have to obey God by making a personal sacrifice. And that's basically our daily lives as, as Christians, right? As faithful Christians. Just making that personal sacrifice every day. But man, when you invest in people, like I said earlier, like it really takes time and energy. And man, when I was in high school, Brandon even alluded to this earlier when he was uh, talking before, before I started speaking. Um, I was emotionally confused. Uh, I wanted to serve the Lord, but I had no idea what that meant. I was anxious. Um, I was probably worried about the wrong things, mostly. 
And um, men like Brandon, they committed their life to me. Right? Like, I remember countless days when Brandon and I basically hung out after, after school was over, probably over an hour, talking about arguing about indie music, <laughs> movies, just random stuff like that. But at the same time, man, when I had a spiritual question, or even just a question about life, he wasn't afraid to give me the truth. He wasn't afraid to tell me the truth as it pertained to that situation. He was never trying to shove anything down my throat. He was never even trying to, to preach the gospel verbatim, word for word, over to me over again. But he just took an interest in me and invested in me and trusted the Lord um, to, to just be a biblical friend to me and, and invest in me and lead me in the right direction. And he treated me with great patience and great grace, um, and I'm really thankful for that. Um, someone else who invested in me when I was in high school uh, was a gentleman named Montana Rex, um, who well, some of you may know, some of you may not. He's a, um, he's a, uh, one of the homies over at Living Faithly Summit. Um, he was kind of like a star barista sort of hipster king in Kansas City <laughs> about three or four years ago. No, I'm serious. Like, like, I'm serious. And when the Lord led him to Lee Summit, he chose to get a job at Love Coffee, which is like Pinterest mom, like shiplap <laughs> coffee shop in, in, in Lee Summit, working with teenagers in a drive-through situation. And um, man, through that, through working there with him and coming there to speak with him, Montana invested in me. Um, he, he taught me dispensationalism. He uh, was, again, patient with me, gave truth to me as it pertained to my situation in life, didn't blindly just invite me to random events, even though that stuff would have been cool, but he actually took the time to spend days and nights of the week with me studying through Galatians and teaching me what God had to say about grace because I was insecure and I was having trouble having grace for myself. And, and that just proved to me that not only was he a faithful man of God, but he loved me. He cherished me as a precious stone. And one of these days, I'm going to figure out how to really commit my life to, to people that way. Um, I'm really trusting the Lord for that. But, um, man, yeah, you guys have the key points. You guys have the verse references. And the Lord's calling us to commit our life to his word and to souls. And, um, man, if you're sitting in this room and you don't know Christ um, or this stuff I've been talking about has sounded mystical or over your head, man, you're not alone, right? This message, we've been discussing eternal things, right? And, 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 and the, the skinny of it, the long and the short of it is... There are two things in life of eternal value. That's the word of God and the souls of men. And if you guys haven't already been considering this while I've been preaching, and I implore you to consider it now, inside of you is an eternal soul. A soul that when you die doesn't cease to exist, 
It goes either to heaven to be with the Lord or, or, or hell to be in damnation for, for eternity in the lake of fire. And basically, there's cause for hope. We all started out with sin. We're all born into sin. And because of our sin, um, our, our default position with the Lord is unrighteousness and separation from God. Right? But God, he loves us. He has grace for us, man. Brandon and Montana uh, just being patient and graceful and merciful um, and committing their lives to me. And that's just a snippet, a tiny picture of what God wants for the whole world of people who do not yet know him, man. He is full of love. <sighs> Human being, man, woman, you are so precious to him. And he sent his son. He gave his only begotten son, like the story of Abraham and Isaac pictured, uh, to die of crucifixion on a cross 2,000 years ago. Um, he died there, was buried, and he rose from the grave three days later. And the Bible, uh, the truth of God's word says, by believing on him as Lord and Savior, Son of the Almighty God, by God's grace, through your decision of faith, and you can have eternal security in heaven with the Lord. Uh, not only that, but man, a beautiful relationship with him like we've been talking about through his word. And so um, I'm going to have the worship team come up. And, uh, and, and as we close, man, we will, we're going to have counselors, um, friends, uh, people that are, are ready to have a conversation uh, and just about life, just to hear what's going on uh, and pray with you and, and give you truth and answer questions from the Bible. Um, and man, just like Sam was saying, God meets you where you're at. And everybody here uh, that you could talk to would meet you where you're at too. And uh, just let God love you. Uh, let the people of God minister to you. Um, yeah, I love you guys. Um, praise God. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, um, I thank you so much for uh, today and just for the opportunity you've given us to open up your word, to fellowship around it. Um, God, I just pray that, God, what you gave today, Lord, um, the purity of your word, Lord, and the fact that you were willing to commit your life you were willing to put all your chips into the basket of redeeming us. Man, we could never get over that. Lord, so as we go today, Father, I just pray, God, that, that you would soften hearts. God, that you would prepare us, uh, man, to go out into this week, to go to school and, and work and in our relationships and families. Lord, um, not worried about the quantity of our works. Not even worried about necessarily doing the right thing, God, but... Help us to be concerned with being near you, with knowing your word, and with pursuing those that, that don't know your grace and your love, God. Um, and so I love you, Lord. I thank you for your grace. I just ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. We hope that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in his word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.live.